I gave my passion speech and lo and behold, a couple of weeks later, we were both admitted as the first martial arts company at Harvard Business School and that's that, and that, that, that we that's we Welcome to the Satori Lifestyle Satori Masters Podcast, the ultimate resource for ambitious, hardworking school owners that want to get their business and their life to the next level. My name is Dave Kovar. I'm a lifetime martial artist, business owner, speaker, and author. My goal is to empower listeners with the knowledge and the tools they need to break through barriers and really get their business and their life to the next level. Thanks for watching and enjoy. Welcome to the Satori Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Kovar, and with me today is Master Tule. How are you, sir? Good afternoon, sir. Uh, I'm doing well. Excited to be on here. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, so glad to have you here. I know you're a busy guy. You just got back from Africa. I did. Yeah, we're fortunate enough to kind of partner with an organization down there that has an orphanage to help with HIV pandemic, leaving a lot of kids without parents in Zambia. Uh, now it's kind of morphed into a full-fledged school, providing a farming system. It's the most vertically integrated NGO that I've witnessed. So we're excited to partner them from a technology standpoint and education, which we're very passionate about. That's so cool. So how are you, you personally, you're, you're helping with the technology, I'm assuming. That's correct, sir. You know, technology and infrastructure is growing in, in that part of Africa, right? And I think um, there's talent in Africa. All of them speak English. The kids are, uh, Africa is the youngest continent in the world. Average age is, I think, in the teens, right? Wow. So, yeah, so that's where we kind of see uh, potential growing up and uh, connecting them to the rest of the world through technology. Uh, obviously, we're, we're globalized more so from business. So allowing us to do that education, you and me are very passionate about the educating kids. I, I, I got to teach my first class in Africa. It was wonderful teaching right. class over there, martial arts class. Right. But that's our goal there, sir. That's why we went. So I had a fantastic time. Obviously, felt a safari. Saw uh, Victoria Falls, one of the great, you know, wonders of the world. It, it was really a great, great trip, great people. So cool, so cool. Well, for those of you who don't know, Master Lei is uh, the founder of my studio. Uh, he was a longtime school owner. As a matter of fact, you're still involved in the business. You still run schools, correct? Uh, I, we still own all the schools. We have six that are encouraged, four of which uh, Lynette, my partner and I, my wife and I own 100% of. Uh, we've been doing it since 2007. Uh, so... Still own it. We don't run it. We've hired a CEO sure. to run that company for the past six years. I've been working in my studio. But, you know, once a month, I still meet with all the partners and go over the financials and all the numbers that are there. So KPI, as we call it, and something that, you know, I'm hoping to, uh, to get to share today with you. Very cool. Well, kind of take everybody through your history a bit. What got you started in training and, and who'd you train with? I think I know some of this, but kind of fill us in. Yeah, so I was born in Vietnam. Uh, in, a, in a city called Bien Hoa, where the U.S. Air Base was, right? My, my dad served in the, uh, the South Vietnamese Army, fought alongside Americans. Um, so when I was 10, uh, my family was able to immigrate to the United States um, through the Humanitarian Organization Program and got a green card by the U.S. government. So very fortunate with that. But when I was young in Vietnam, I would always love to learn martial arts. So I learned from books because we were too poor to have classes. Right? At that point, Vietnam wasn't at the point where you did recreational things like martial arts. You just learn by watching movies. Got it. When I came to the States, um, you know, when I was 13, my cousin started taking martial arts class in a local Taekwondo school. So I joined with them, loved it. Uh, the, the name of the instructor, my master, his name is John Cassidy Great guy. Um, at the time. Yeah. And, you know, I got up to my green belt and then my parents said, hey, this is you know too much and we can't afford this. So 
I stopped coming to class and Master Kathy called me and said, why aren't you coming to class? It's like a classic we miss you call, you know? Right. I picked up my said, I'm sorry, my parents can't afford it. He says, well, ask your parents this. If you're willing to come and help clean and teach and help me, you can come for free. So I started coming, you know, helping teaching class at, at a blue belt in 16. Um, 15, I'm sorry, uh, at that point, right? 14, 15 started helping out and then started working formally there at 15 and a half and I haven't stopped since. So that's a great story. And, and how, how many, I wonder how many martial arts school owners out there, instructors actually had a similar experience because I know I swapped, I, I, my parents right. enrolled me, uh, the first month, the instructor, his, uh, my, my original instructor was uh, Hunchy Bruce Jutnick and he was, uh, uh, gone the first month I was there cause he'd had a, he was out on paternity leave. And, uh, so the guy that was like working the front desk took my 30 bucks and, you know, that was it for my month. And, and uh, then, then when Hunching Dretnik came back, uh, he, uh, anyway, I did a paid in full for like six months for 175 bucks. <laughs> and, and I paid for half of my folks paid for the other half. And that's the last time I ever paid because by that, within yeah. six months from there, of course, uh, I was on the mat teaching and, and, but how yeah. many people have been asked by their instructor, so, would you, would you wash mirrors for exchange for lessons? So the power, the power that we miss you call is pretty apparent, right? To make sure the retention is there is letting me know that, you know, hey, I see you have them in the class. Um, that's a huge case with me. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here today. So I'm glad you did that. We miss you call. Well, you know, I also don't I, recommend charging 175 for six months. Yeah, no, this was so. 1973. Too, so <laughs> I think by today's standards would be a little different, right? But, you know, that's what's a, interesting yeah. is how things, one call, Master Cassidy picking up the phone, you know, one time. Right how that that has changed the lives of so many people of course your family i'm sure you had been successful regardless and, of your family but how many people you've impacted through my studio that would have not been affected and all the all the all the students that you affected through your schools it's really i i always i, I geek out on and, that. and and then to, to, to kind of to put a cherry on top of that so yesterday at the same studio which master cassidy was you know so nice enough to allow me an opportunity to buy um when i was 25 where I got my black belt and all of that. At that same school, you know, we do traditional Taekwondo. The president of Kukiwan from South Korea flew over and, and visited and brought his demonstration team to our mats yesterday. And so we were there with him. We got to, you know, um, have dinner with him and, and, and partner with him with my studio. But, you know, to kind of go full circle, if that call wasn't made, am I still in martial arts? I don't know. Yeah. So amazing. So, okay. You're running a school, you're 25, you pick up, a, you, you, you buy a school for master Cassie, ended up uh, doing a few more. And were you always really tech savvy? Was that something that was always part of your nature? I, I dropped out of a school on a full um, scholarship for computer engineering. Okay. So I, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm tech savvy. I wouldn't say I'm a computer <laughs> genius. Um, I say, I know, I think my niche is like, I know what the customers want and, and to make things simple, right? Things have to be simple. And so that's kind of my niche, you know, and, and software and martial arts kind of just blended together in what I do now, you know, so. Crazy. And then uh, probably, I don't know, seven, eight years back, I know you and our mutual friend, John Bussard ended up going to business, business school uh, at, at Harvard. What an experience that was. Yeah, I was really fortunate because, you know, when I was looking to further my understanding of business, right, I was just at a plateau where I'm like, I'm just not able to learn and what's the best way to learn out there. So I started looking at executive education, obviously the Stanford, the Wharton, the Harvard, the world, they'll have that out there. So I'm like, you know what, 
I don't have any of the credentials that they typically look for for Harvard Business School. I'm just going to apply anyway, you know, like what the hey, just do right. it. Right. And kind of just being sometimes, you know, uh, ignorance is bliss. And that's <laughs> this case here. You don't know anything. You just apply. So I, I went to the application process online. Three days later, got a very nice, polite email decline saying, you know, hey, typically we need this, we need this, we need this. Your company needs to be at least $5 million engrossing, right? Uh, and has a board of directors, whatever the thing is. I'm like, what? So I, I, I applied again three months later, right? I'm saying, hey, I'm not there yet at $5 million, but I'm going to get there, right? And isn't that just what this thing's about? Another rejection letter came saying, well, the typical age we look at is this, you know, because you have this type of life experience. This time, however, this time, however, they gave me a little in. They say, although you can't get into this alumnus, alumni, which is a degree kind of granting program, why don't you come take one of our small business classes that are designed for small businesses? It's still on campus. It's a three to five day. Um, it's called leading your business through its life cycle. I said, you know what? I'll do that. So I signed up for this course. It was like, I think, seven to 5,000. At that point, it was pretty big for a three-day experience. You're, you're at Harvard Business School. You're in the dorm. You're living there. And you go into the same class that the MBA go to. It was such a life-changing experience, Master Kovar. I was like, dude, this is, this is where magic happens. So I walk over to the registrar's office. I said, hey, I think you emailed me. I asked for that person. I'm two. I came to the class to recommend I, I got a recommendation from the teacher. What do I need to do? And she's like, all right, apply once again. I apply, I fly home. Another rejection. This so time saying, hey. Okay. Yeah, this is the third one. So anyways, two more after that. But each time they asked me to come to take another course. And each time I said, if you're going to reject me, then you have to do it in person. Finally, I said, you know what? I'm going to call some of my friends. I asked Master John Bussard. He's like, I'll take that course with you. It wasn't the full program. We both went there. And then I went to the office, and there's a sign on Harvard Business School that says, we educate leaders who make a difference in the world. And I look at him. I say, I teach kids every single day. You know, I mean, that's just what we do. Our goal is to empower individuals to make a positive difference in that community. That's our mission statement that encourage martial arts, right? And he said, there's no reason why. That, that, that sign he has, to, has nothing to do with size, has nothing to do with the size of the company. It has to do with making a difference, right? And then, so I kind of gave my passion speech, and lo and behold, a couple of weeks later, we were both admitted as the first martial arts company at Harvard Business School, and that's that. And that's, that, that's, 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 that's the first time I've heard that story. That's such a great story. <laughs> what I love about it, you know, it kind of, there's so many levels yeah. that, you know, you you don't you keep perseverance right but I, I know just like on a school level we tell you know i tell the people that i'm coaching hey man uh you know if someone doesn't show up for the first uh, lesson you know you get back in touch with them and how long should you do that until they say no right and the reality is i usually after two or three attempts go okay they're not interested but what you shared with me is it took you would you say five attempts before they finally let you in technically seven okay. uh, but i have i have five rejection emails that's for sure okay. in person it was twice um, but each one of those times, there was something, right? There was something, I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm not able to do that program, but what else? But if you just took no and just walked away, like that'll be done, right? But what I did was I said, hey, what else? You yeah, know, if this is, also, if I'm not there now, what do I need to do to get there, right? So that helped. And it also sounds like you strategically, I mean, you weren't, you were, you were kind of in their face, but in a very polite, courteous, respectful way, sharing your story. <laughs> 
That's correct. Yeah. Yes, I was. Yeah. I kind of made sure, you know, I, I was there um, with them and they had to say no to me in person, which is harder, by the way. And all of this doesn't matter where you are, right? Harvard or any other program, there's one person making that decision. Right. Right. Such you an know? important and reminder. Yes. It's, so yes. It's one person. Tell me the impetus of uh, my studio. So at what point did you say, hey, man, I don't like how it's being done. It's, it's, uh, did you build your own software for your company first? I, the first I heard about this is I was talking with John Bussard one time, and he said, my buddy, Tule, and I knew who you know, <laughs> just developing this app that's looking like it's really cool. And so, you know, how did you get from there to here, where you're at now? We, my wife, I met my wife at that point we were starting to date. She was getting her MBA from Kellogg, which is Northwestern. Um, and I was studying at Harvard Business School. And at that point, you know, we had a project to study are the businesses that we're in and are there any, you know, gaps or any area that could improve. And when we look at our business together and she came into the martial arts school, she worked at Deloitte where she did digital disruption, right? So she worked with Google and Walmart. And so when we both came in there, she said, hey, the registration process is the, it's behind, right? Where we had this, a summer camp pre-sale and there was just a line of parents out the door waiting to sign up for camp and we were so proud of that at that time because there's so many people waiting in line for it but you know she would look at it and i would look at it it's like well if i was that parent am i happy i hate waiting in lines you know that's one of my things that i just think it's, it's a waste of time so like why can't everybody sign up wherever they're at wherever they're from so right after we got married, I decided to take six months off. Right? So we, we traveled for six months to see how our schools would do. And during that six months, we test this theory of coming on the online registration. So we say, hey, we're going to do summer camp, but I'm going to launch it from Patagonia, where we were traveling. And we did the best sales we did there, and it was, it was great. So we knew the hypothesis would work. And then we started looking for software that did what we wanted to do. Unfortunately, we, there wasn't one. So we kind of had to build our own. Um, for our schools. So that's kind of how it started for our schools to do that. We wanted a sales enablement platform. We didn't, we didn't need a management platform. There's a bunch of them out there. Right. We wanted a platform that enables sales faster for businesses. And, you know, if I can buy a Tesla on my phone, I should be able to sign up for martial arts on my phone at any time, anywhere. That's kind of the, the, the goal of the platform. So I believe that my studio, with that focus of, of enabling sales, right, and, and churn reduction, those are the two goals that we have in our software enable sales faster for studio owners and help them to reduce churn. That that's kind of really the two goals we have with my studio. That's it. Which match with what small businesses want, right? Get new customers and keep current ones. Very cool. So how many different, I, I mean, clearly it's evolved a lot, you know, from your original, when you first jumped into this space as to where my studio is now, what are some of the significant differences? You know, how, how far have you come along in what ways? I think when we went through it, we, we built out a pretty simple platform. We wanted our, our, our parents, our students to have, you know, the ability to sign up on their phone, to buy events from their phone, to get testing done, to buy equipment, retail. And as we progressed, we realized that the studio owner needs their own set of reports and processes and automations. So we always focus first on your customer, just the end consumer. And then we focused on the business owner. So my studio was slower, helping the, the business to get the reports they need because we focused so much on that sales enablement process. Okay. So as the years we're at now, we're one of the, the top CRMs to help business owner kind of really understand the key performance indicators and, and whatnot, right? So just from my understanding of running martial arts schools and running them well, 
we have a really clear idea to simplify what the um, school owner needs to see on their dashboard rather than giving them everything they need. We're like, no, strip all of that out, give them the 20% that they really need. So that's kind of what's different about our platform. It's kind of, we understand that and we can simplify that. Got it. So your, your idea is, you know, the bare necessities done really well. Is that hundred percent, sir? Yeah, that's correct. There's, you don't need to have, like, I can give you, you know, hundred percent different data points, but the, the, the point is, what are you going to do with it? Do, do the data or does the data or the report allow you to take actionable steps? So, for example, in our platform, a good one is like churn rate. I can tell you, oh, you know, you're doing 2%, 3% churn rate. Good job. Right. Or I can say, hey, you know what, Master Kovar, out of 100 students last year, 50 of your students that did quit out of the 100 that did quit, quit between month zero and month six. Now you have something you can work with. Right. So our churn rate shows that how many students quit between months zero and three. How many students quit between months three and six, six and nine, nine and 12, 12 to 24 and so forth. So then that allows our team. And when we did that with my studio, this is a KPI that I always look at. The average membership based business, right? I'm talking 2,800 businesses okay. processing about 600 million a year across the US, Canada, UK and Australia, the majority of which is in the United States. The average length is eight months. Really? I'm gonna say I'm gonna say that again. Okay. So you know, a lot of time I hear somebody on stage or whatever say, I keep my students at least for three years. You know, and I'm like, hmm. Okay, how many? You know, but I can tell you, from 2,800 businesses and hundreds of thousands of practitioners, you know, revenue is 600 million. My company was a 600 million dollar company operating 2,800 locations. I can tell you that company. Average student stays eight months. Yeah. So will. that's that's a KPI we track, right? That gives us lifetime value, right? So for example, if I'm just going to give a number, $200 per month, right? Times eight gives me $1,600. If I know that my average student stays with me for eight months, they're going to give me $1,600. Then I know how much marketing money I can spend. Maybe you only want to spend 20% of that, right? 20% of that 1600 bucks to do advertising and things like that. It gives you some data to work with, right? And now how do we increase the lifetime value from eight months to nine months? Mm -hmm. What is it that you need to do? Do you need to have a master instructor that can teach all the way up to third degree black belt or fourth? You really don't. If you look at what the students learn from month zero to month eight, they are really the basics, extremely the basics. And what is it that we're missing in our beginner classes that are not, that students are dropping off? So once we have that data, our team really drilled into that at Encourage Martial Arts. And these are the data that we give inside of my studio platform to like people to understand and be like, okay, great. If I know that the average student quits at eight months, how do I train my staff? What staff can I hire? Can you develop a staff that can teach students that are months zero to month eight? Of course, much faster, right? So these are some different things that, that, that we look at from a KPI, Key Performance Indicator um, perspective to kind of give our clients a little bit more understanding of not only your business, but macro business as a whole, right? Love it. And and just uh, simply by having someone figure out what their churn rate is, that also al allows, which which I'm sure your platform does, allows someone to know, because uh, average is eight, that means, it'd be interesting what the median is, how, you know, how that would be different. Have, have you done any research with that? Like you take out the, I guess what's the best performing, the worst performing, and, and is does it go up or down or or, or any idea? Well, that that yeah, that is the median across all of it. 
okay. people who quit, like people who quit, like let's say your your start date was January first, you signed up for a membership. Let's say everybody did it, right? And then whenever they quit, we aggregate all of that together, and you get the eight months. Of course, you're gonna get your top twenty percent, top tier, and then you have your lower twenty percent, and everybody's there, right? So your top performers, man, they're, they're keeping their students probably 15, 16 months. Okay. So I guess that was what I was for saying. Sure. There's a lot of people out there yeah. that are doing that, I think. Okay. Well, oh, hey, for sure. If you, yeah, for sure, sir. It, switching gears a little bit. So uh, I, I'm in the business. I've been in the business for quite a while. I'm, 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 I think I'm working pretty hard. I, I don't seem to be, I'm seeing other people around me doing really well. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of getting through the month, uh, what should I do? What give me some give me some tips that, that I can put to work to, to help my dojong dojang dojo get to the next level. So this is the thing, right? When someone asks me how you know they, they find out that they have a martial arts school, I have a martial arts school. The first thing they ask is how big is your school, right? Or I, I observe this conversation and say, how many students do you have? How big is your school? I really don't care about those two numbers. The number one thing that you should look at is what is your net, right? That's the first thing you should ask anyone. How, how successful is your school? Oh, I net this much a year or I net this much last year. You should know that number right off the bat. And what is that percentage to gross, right? So if, if you're making, let's say $10,000 a month and your school is making $100,000, your net's only 10%. I, I would say that's pretty low, all right? If you say my net is $10,000 and my school is grossing $30,000, your net is now 33% off the gross. That's a good number. Have. So know that, right? The second is gross divided by your payroll. This is shows us there's only two things you can control with fixed costs. Okay. Mm -hmm. These are variable costs, excuse me, your rent and your payroll. Yep. So from a KPI standpoint, the data that I look at is how effectively are you using your space or picking the right space and how effective your people's bringing in revenue. This is business wide everywhere now, not just martial arts. So let's just say last year, you made $300,000 in gross, gross, okay? And your payroll, including paying yourself, because you always want to think of yourself as an employee of the business. You can't think of yourself as an owner of the business. A true owner of the business is I own 100% stock of your uh, business and I don't work in there. That's me as an owner. But the moment I step into my school and I work, you are now an employee. The business technically employs you, right? So if, you, if you're paying yourself a salary, you have to record that. Yep. Because... You always want to think about it. How much am I willing to pay somebody else to do my job so that I don't have to be there? That allows you to go to multi-location, by the way. So let's just say your salary is $100,000 total, including yourself. You will take your $300,000 gross divided by your $100,000 in payroll. That gives you three, right? What that means is for every dollar that you pay out in payroll, you're making $3 back. That it's a phenomenal ratio that you want to shoot for, okay? Now, if you're on-site, you got to be honest with yourself. What would I pay myself? For me, as an off-site owner, you know, owning six schools and operating six schools, I'm not in the business. So my payroll, you know, is, is, is pretty static. I have that. You want to share, you know, share that slide as well, sir. But so that's the second thing, right, uh, that I would recommend. Figure out what your gross to payroll ratio is. You want to be at three, Okay. If, you, if you're under three, you're either one overpaying, which is not typically the case, is you're probably underperforming. You're not, you're not selling enough, okay? And the second, when you look at your rent, you do the same thing. You take your $300,000 gross divided by the total rent that you're paying, okay? And you want to be at least higher than eight on that. 
So what that means is if I'm making $300,000 and I'm paying $100,000 in rent, okay, again, $300,000 divided by $100,000 gives me three again. That is too low. Okay, you're either way overpaying for your rent for that space, or again, you're underperforming. When we look at spaces to open into, we want to be in a very nice shopping center that gives us a lot of foot traffic. In essence, my rent is actually my marketing dollar that I'm spending, right? right? Because yes, Facebook ad, you know, whatever is bringing traffic to your online business, but we need to service them in our school. So the location of my school is actually a marketing function. So that's what tells me how well I'm using my space. And are you using too much square footage for what you're doing? Do you have your own office and you know, all your staff have offices and the actual surface area, the mats, maybe is only 50% of your square footage. So that's where you make your money, by the way, on the mats, right? So can you downsize in your space so that you don't need that much space? So your rent is less. So that's what that ratio gives me. Not only am I picking a good location, negotiating good rent, but also, am I getting too big of a space or am I maximizing my space? So those are the three ratios I recommend for you to look at. Good stuff. You know, it re it's really amazing how, like, we just uh, right now are just in the process. So we just signed a lease to a location yesterday, right? And it's about... <clears throat> 2000 square feet. And so, which is plenty of space. It used to be, it's funny how what's old is new again. You know, my first location was a thousand square feet and then bigger was better. And actually where our headquarters school, where, where I'm actually doing this podcast right now is uh, it's 13,400 square feet. Now, by the way, my brother and I own the building. It's our headquarters also, as well as our dojo and it's fine, but, but it's bigger is not better. It's just bigger. And your point is it's amazing how now we're going back full circle to where you know, what do you need? Uh, you don't need much of an office or we're, you know, we're the, the enrollment yeah. procedure is no longer that back office, high pressure thing. It has nothing to do with that. So that's you know, right. That's right. Space, you know, how much, how, you know, how big can I make my mat? And, and, and by the way, how many times have I signed a lease on a building because I thought, Oh, it's going to be big. It's going to be so cool. And then all of a sudden you have to start paying rent on that big space. It, it, it very that's quickly right. loses its <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it loses that. And I, I, I want to clarify real quick, the ratio you want from gross divided by your rent, you want it to be above five. If you're at eight, you're doing phenomenal. That's where we average at, at, at Encourage at eight. And you know, my main location, we pay $18,000 in rent a month, right? But that location does this 1.3 million in revenue. So we're still getting a six ratio on that, um, rent over gross, but then your payroll needs to be at three, right? Gross divided by total payroll is, should be higher than three. Gross divided by rent needs to be at least higher than five. At that point, you're achieving. I don't care if you just give me those ratio. I can tell you, you're probably netting above thirty percent. Love it, love it. Just, just with those KPIs. Yeah, I don't care about your how big your school is. I don't care about how many students you have. That doesn't matter, right? From a business standpoint, that's what we look at. So if you're out there, you're struggling, and you're saying, "How do I do better?" Probably you're underperforming based on some of those ratios. So switching gears. Uh, so what have you learned from failure? What's like a, a, it's something that you're, you're comfortable discussing where they did not work out well and, but the end result was good because you learned from it. You, we got only 30 minutes right there. <laughs> we got like 30 minutes only, right? This, this can go for a while. <laughs> no, I've made so many mistakes and, and luckily I had Master John Cassidy and mentors like you to kind of help save me on some of the big mistakes. But the biggest one is always deals with staffing. Right. Where in the past. I would I would 
kind of give feedback, over feedback on little things that didn't really matter, right? And so we look at the bigger things. I say, oh, you know, this person does all of these big things well, but these little things that didn't really well, I spent too much time there, right? Focusing on that rather than focusing on their strengths. Okay. Uh, hey, this person does it really well, and it's my fault because I'm making them do tasks that they're not innately good at instead of focusing them and putting them on the right seat in the bus. That's the one thing, right? So when someone is like, if I lost that staff member, I'd be like, oh my God, now I got to do all these big things. These little things didn't really matter, right? Because these big things that they were doing was so important. So that would be the first mistake that I made. Yeah, and I've made that mistake a hundred times, right? But what's interesting is I remember, I'm going back 20 years, there was a trend in the industry that was very, very heavily a uh, high pressure out in the community sales driven trend that 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 seemed like and I remember, uh, you know, going to a couple of these events and feeling like this is, you know, by the way, our business was good going into these first meetings and we're thinking, I guess we're doing everything wrong. We don't have our team out in front of Kmart with clipboards, you know, but I guess that's right. what we have to do. So I did this pendulum swing to where I had all these really guys that would teach six days a week, five, six classes a day just rocking it and you, and you know that's a certain skill set that not a lot of people have and, it, and right it, right you got that person guarded because they're hard to come by and all of a sudden uh, I, i'm having them do things that are totally out of their uh, you know comfort zone that they're not very good at that they don't enjoy doing and and fortunately we recognize it pretty early so i only like i can i can think of one person that i lost through this process but very quickly i realized you know what it's like uh teaching you know being able to be on the floor from bell to bell you know week in week out that is a real art and it's a real skill and okay so they're not great at other aspects that thing is hard to replace that's correct and that's why we built my studio with our new location and a new product we just have one main instructor and that instructor is just really good at teaching i believe that the marketing function when you go to multi-location as an owner that's what you should focus on right marketing do my website look good you know, is there an automatic registration system? We don't have a printer and we don't even have a computer at our, our school. We just have an iPad and most people register through their phone. Um, so what we, we were forced to do to your point, so we have to force to simplify our membership structure. So we went to something simple as this. How many times would you like to come a week? How much time do you have, Mr. Smith, Mrs. Smith, to bring Samantha to class? Is it one time? Is it two times or three times? The person you like, Two times. I'm like, cool. All right. And do you want to save money or you like flexibility? They're like, well, what's, what's saving money? mean, oh, you're going to commit for six months and it's going to be $149. But if you like flexibility, it's $199. You cancel any time. Oh, by the way, if you do the six months, starting the seven months, you can cancel any time after that. Right? So then once we got down to that simplicity, I'm like, I don't need a salesperson anymore. All of that can be on my app and they can click through it. Right? So... It takes away the sales process and allows our instructor to do what they do best is connect with students, talk to parents, ask them about their day, look at the retention, call the we miss you, you know, get the tips out, award the belt, um, and the registration should take care of itself. And we're happy to say across our six location and over a thousand trials last year, we do two free week trials um, because, again, we don't want to have to sell. This is two free week. You want to try it out? Yeah, try it two weeks free. No, no commitment. We convert 52% of them and our goal is 50%. Impressive. Impressive. Yeah. So what, uh, you know, where do you think the industry's going? You know, where, where do you feel like, you know, we need to stay up on direction? <coughs> should we be looking? And, and I know if you had a crystal ball to, to predict the future, what would you say? 
Well, we didn't have a crystal ball. We had COVID. That kind of gave us a lot of data point. <laughs> After being locked down for two years, I think human interaction is like value higher than ever. You know, once you lose something, you realize how important that was. So we're at, I think, a really awesome age for martial arts and fitness in general, where people like the human interaction. They don't want to be locked down against their will anymore. They want to get out of, of the school. Uh, and the second thing is, so that's the first thing. So martial arts, the AI and all that stuff you hear, that's not going to change human interaction. It's actually going to actually make it more people going to have make it more, make it more valuable. That's yeah. correct. I agree. Second is you have parents like myself. I have three young kids now. I have a five, a three, and a two-year-old who are going to be a little more tech savvy, who are going to do a lot more research, who knows how to use the internet. So gone are the days of pressure selling. They're going to do their research, right? Uh, if you look on your open up your phone and said martial art classes in this city where are you ranking they're going to click on the google review and they're going to click on the most recent review because you know why they do that on amazon right now they're going to buy something on amazon they're going to look for the most highly you know rated things and the most things and they do the same thing they're going to ask what's the best restaurant in my city right they're going to look at that and they're going to read the reviews What's the best value on this vacation, cruise ship, et cetera? They do the same thing for martial arts. So you have very savvy buyers. So you want to put your pricing out there. You want to just have all of that there because if some like companies like call me for pricing and it's not there, I'm not even going to look at them, to be honest with you. I want to know what I'm getting into and I want to research right in front of me to make an educated decision. That's the buyer mentality right now. They're going to do their research. They want to have more information and they're going to make an educated one. So I think that's where the business side and the buying side is different. And that's kind of how we've geared the, the platform, my studio. And that's why we've had such great success because we were able to see that trend and we kind of put it in the customer's hand and it's forcing, it's forcing our instructors or our school to actually be really good at what they do, right? Because they want to have those good reviews, but because they don't have to sell, they have more time to practice and, and, and focus on that. Very cool. Very cool. Well, where do you see uh, my studio going from here? We want to be more focused on, on, on the customers, right? So, I mean, I think I understand the business on a certain level, but our team is growing quite big um, in this area. Um, AI is very exciting for us right now to kind of like, you know, for example, let's say you're ready to craft a, an email, a sales email, and you just don't know the right words, right? Uh, you can put things, you know, just on ChatGPT and, and the email says, hey, I want to I write in a sales email to let my members know they're going to save 25%, but the sales end on this, uh, you know, at, at 12 p.m. the next day. Uh, and I only want to send this out to Gold Belts. They hit enter and then they'll craft an email for them, get the list ready. So business is going to really accelerate using that. Um, and that, that's kind of where my studio is going. We're going to continue to make things simpler. Um, so that way you're saving on staff, right? Or your staff is focused more of their hours on customer service rather than repetitive tasks that can be taken care of by the, the system. Outstanding. I love it, man. Well, I want to be respectful of your time. So uh, if someone wanted to reach out and get a hold of you or hear more about my studio, where would they go? Mystudio.io is our website. My direct email is 2tu at mystudio.academy. I love hearing from, from a lot of people. I don't want to email you because you don't have time. I'm like, that's all the time I have is for customers and, <laughs> you know, to learn what people want. What do you mean? You know, email me, you know? So, so that's, that's the best way, sir. And, and, I just want to say, you know, I've been a fan of yours and you've known I've said this multiple times. Um, I, mean, I got I got your book actually right here. Uh, Brief Moments of Clarity. Um, uh, last time that you shared it with us and our whole team has this. 
just thank you for what you've done in the industry. Thank you for being that, that, that really good leader, not only, you know, speaking, but like kind of walking what you teach us as well. You know, you're, you're my idol, man. I love it. So thank you. Well, thank you for thinking, sir. I, I really appreciate your time and I wish you the best. You certainly deserve it. Thanks for doing everything you're doing for the industry. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in today to our podcast. I hope you found it valuable and inspirational. To stay connected, please subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you go for your podcasts. If you enjoyed today's show, please give us a five-star review. And we really, sincerely, would appreciate some feedback. Your feedback helps us to create high-quality content that will help others in the future. If you'd like to follow me, you can go to Dave Kovar on Facebook or Hanchi Dave Kovar on Instagram. Thank you so much for watching, and I'll see you on next episode.